Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Buck Sanders and Don Callahan. Buck and Don back together. It's always good to have you guys on. It's a little off-season football talk. And Don, I'll start with you. Since we talked last, Carolina's picked up a commitment from Chris Collins out of Virginia. Your take on what he adds as far as football, purely football, to the North Carolina program. Well, you know, first, he was one of the top guys on North Carolina's defensive end board and a guy that Deke Adams kind of zeroed in, in on early on. So anytime you land a, a kid who's tops on any position board, I mean, that's huge. But specifically with, with Collins, he, he's a little bit on the raw side, but he has all the, all the tools really to develop into an elite edge rusher. He's long. He's athletic. He's intelligent. Uh, he's, he has a great work ethic. Uh, everybody you know around his program speaks highly of him. His dad's a defensive coordinator at his school, and it's not one of those situations where his dad became the defensive coordinator because his son goes there. His dad was actually the defensive coordinator prior to Collins enrolling at that school. You know, his mom's actually a, a, a women's basketball coach, so he comes from a coaching family. So he he understands just I guess just the whole sporting lifestyle, and he just you know lives and, and drinks it. But I think what's more important is just, just that length that he has and, the, and that athleticism that he brings with it. Like you said, he, he's ranked by some services number one DE up there in Virginia. But for Carolina to go into Virginia and get a player like that, especially in a position of need, you know, a lot of Carolina people have been worrying that Virginia Tech with their VT to – or NC to VT or whatever their little mantra has been, they were worried that outside programs poaching North Carolina talent. Well, now Carolina's gone up to Virginia and gotten a good one. Your take on what that means for North Carolina football, for Larry Fedora and his staff, and for a guy like Deke Adams, you know, certainly not new to the area, but new to North Carolina staff at least this time around. Well, it's, it's always been something of a um, dream or desire or – goal of UNC football recruiting to reach into Virginia, particularly the Tidewater area. I know Collins comes out of the Richmond area, but uh, the, the Tidewater, and there was an article out several years ago by, I think, USA Today, and I think they said that the Tidewater region in um, Virginia is the, the second most prolific area on the East Coast next to Miami or the Miami area. So, uh, you know, the recruiting Virginia, recruiting the Tidewater is, is something that North Carolina wants to and has tried to crack for some time. Virginia Tech, there for a while, seemed to have a lock on it. Virginia has recruited that well, that area, and, and recruited it better for a little while. Um, uh, even to the detriment of Virginia Tech. But you've got three programs, and, and of course, everybody's going to go up after the top targets, but you've got three programs, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina, that, that really want that pipeline uh, into Virginia. And uh, to get somebody out of Virginia like Collins, a position of need, I, I, I've got a, a question for Don. 
to kind of follow up with Collins and what he said about him. He, he, he's listed at 215 pounds. Is that accurate? Or do you see, do you see Collins as sort of somebody that, that takes a red shirt year and then, uh, contributes, uh, maybe as a red shirt freshman or sophomore, or do you see him more of somebody that can put on a lot of weight quickly and be able to contribute right away? Well, he's, I mean, it's, it's fairly accurate. At the Nike camp, about a week before his announcement, he measured in at six foot four and 210 pounds, so it's slightly less than what he's listed as. I mean, he's a kid who I think is, is definitely going to require a red shirt year. You know, even if you watch his film, uh, you, you, if you watch, I'm, I'm talking about his an actual full game footage. You'll watch it, and you you won't you won't be all that impressed. He'll make just a couple of plays here and there. But if you watch his highlights, you can see just the potential is there when he does the certain things that he needs to do as far as using his hands. I mean, he his length is going to be his greatest asset, and he doesn't consistently use that to his advantage. And obviously, that's just with that's going to help with coaching once he gets on the college level, and he'll be able to to uh, use his length and use his hands to his advantage. And, and I think, you know, in a couple of years, he's going to be, you know, an unbelievable player for North Carolina. But, but yeah, I think it's going to take some time. Getting into the weight room is going to be important for him also because, you know, he's only, like, like I said, he's only 210 pounds. So he does need to add probably 30 pounds-ish, maybe even a little bit more. So under normal circumstances, I wouldn't expect him to contribute as a true freshman. Don, just looking at some of the articles you've had on Inside Carolina Premium Message Board fairly recently, North Carolina football recruiting, you know, what was it, three three weeks ago maybe, four weeks ago, folks were worried that Carolina didn't have any commitments or had one or whatever. Now they have, I guess, four. Your take on what the summer looks like for Carolina as far as evaluation any new offers, and I'm not talking about just tick through any, each and every one of them, but is Carolina football recruiting where you think the staff wants it at this point in time here in May? I think it depends on the position. You know, Obviously, at quarterback, they've missed on some guys that they felt that they had a really good shot with. Running back, obviously they need some bodies there, some quality bodies there. And uh, while they're in it with some of their top targets, or most of their top targets actually, you know, there's no definite guy that they're going to get. But then you have wide receiver where UNC is, 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 is the odds-on favorite for, um, for their top targets. Um, you know, Offensive line is probably in the same boat as, as running back where UNC is in it, but not necessarily – you know, the odds on favorite, so that's a little bit scary, and they really need to or really want to land a couple of um, offensive tackles. You know, the, the defense is, is they're, they're in a good spot with, you know, you know Peyton Wilson committing, Dax Holyfield. I think UNC has a really good shot with him. You know, we talked about Chris Collins committing. They're, they're in a really good spot with Lee McNeil, who is another defensive lineman that UNC is very high on. You uh, at In the secondary... It's it's a little bit wide open, but a little bit more promising than some of the other positions. And it's and the pool is, is pretty big, mostly because you know Terry Joseph is still kind of evaluating and still trying to sift through some things and figure out exactly who he wants 
and that sort of thing. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag, and I know that you hate when I'm, I'm vague like that and, and, and political, but I think if you just look at it at a particular position, it, it depends on that position on whether North Carolina is doing well or, or they're not. Certainly a long time to go before uh, February of 2018. That's hard to imagine. But let's transition off recruiting. And, Buck, I'm going to get into some of your columns that you've written recently. Um, and we can talk about the current team. But I wanted to ask you about your column today or, or on the Tar Pit Premium on Wednesday talking about Notre Dame and the ACC. Now, Go for it. Is it a good thing? And is Texas, now that's a ways off, I think. I actually would prefer Texas to Notre Dame. But your take on this kind of talk, is this just off-season talk, or do you think there's some real meat on the bone uh, of Notre Dame finally getting all in into the ACC? Well, um, as a matter of fact, at the uh, spring meetings that are going on now, uh, the ACC's holding their spring meetings at Amelia Island, uh, we got to figure out a way to go next year, Tommy. It's at the Amelia Island Ritz is where they're holding that. All in. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to butcher this guy's name, but I think it's uh, Jack Swarbrick. Is that right? The Notre Dame yeah. athletic director. He, he uh, That's pretty close anyway, I suppose. He was asked uh, about, because there had been a, some recent chatter about whether or not North Carolina um, – whether ACC and Notre Dame were in talks, and uh, Swerbrick uh, denied it. He, he said that, no, there's no current talks. They like where they are. They like the situation that they have, and, you know, they're not looking to change it. And in my column, I, I don't think it's going to change either, at least until the – Notre Dame contract with NBC runs its course in 2025. Now negotiations would have to take place ahead of that, but that they're not going to leave. They're not going to do anything. I don't think until the NBC contract shakes out and uh, same with, uh, Texas, you know, I speculated a little bit about Texas, you know, being a possible, you know, partner to, to round it. From uh, from fifteen to sixteen teams, if Notre Dame were to join, and you know, I, I like that situation, and I think Texas wants out of the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve tried to get extension to their grant of rights, which expires in twenty twenty five, and neither Texas or Oklahoma wants to do that. If I was just you know, and I, I'm clearly just speculating, but if you know, I were to guess, I would say that Texas and Oklahoma might both be looking to leave the Big 12 in 2025. And the SEC, I don't know whether they would or not, but they might take Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And there's always been this uh, sort of theory that uh, Oklahoma legislature is not going to let Oklahoma and Oklahoma State part company from the same conference. So I could see that as a possible scenario. Area, I can see Notre Dame and Texas going to the ACC and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State going to the SEC. But remember, we're talking about eight years down the road. We don't have any idea what television rights are going to look like at that point, you know, with ESPN struggles and, and how that's all going to go. So 
really, I, I think it's an interesting conversation point during a, you know, lull in the college football season. But, you know, I wouldn't expect anything to happen with uh, Notre Dame until 2025 and, and who else might be a candidate to move, you know, at that point, who knows. So I, I think we got eight years to talk about this probably every time about this time of year. Yeah, it's interesting. Eight years seems like a long ways off, but so does July 2010. And That's yet, correct. And we're still talking about that. But We're still talking about that. Yeah, but we will not do it on this show, I assure folks, though. We'll have another show coming on that subject before long, I'm sure. But, Don, let me ask you this question. Uh, we're a little bit deeper into it beyond when Clemson won the national championship have you seen an effect, not for North Carolina recruiting, but for ACC recruiting in general, Clemson's national championship sort of giving, giving the league some legitimacy or more legitimacy, at least tangible legitimacy that folks seem to think rings and championships mean everything when they're recruiting against SEC schools? Because Carolina's picked up these recruits that they've gotten against virtually all the big-name schools out there your take on how that's going, if if there is any effect yet. Well, I think for Clemson in particular, it certainly, I don't want to say it hit, well, it, de- has, it definitely hasn't hurt. And and Clemson, really, if you look at their commitment list, it, it's pretty impressive. I mean, they have the, the number one player in the nation, the number one um, quarterback, Trevor Lawrence committed, who's obviously a five-star. They have Xavier Thomas, another five-star committed, they're in it with a bunch of other five stars, so it certainly is helping Clemson. And then, obviously, I mean, what's that saying? Um, high tide raises all boats, um, sort of thing. But I mean, I think in general, there still is a, is that, uh, I guess, I guess mentality when you when you talk to a recruit who lives in SEC country, and they'll tell you that they would prefer to play in the SEC. But it definitely with Clemson and then and even Florida State a few years ago winning the national championship, it definitely has helped the ACC kind of raise the bar because for, I think for a while there, it was a it was perceived as a conference that produced talent but could never win the big game. And then obviously since Clemson won last year and Florida State a few years back, it definitely kind of has helped that perspective. And really, you know. This offseason, a lot of people are looking at this past season and saying the a- ACC was the best conference and wondering if the ACC can do it again. So if they if they are the best conference this coming season, it's only going to help that reputation and kind of build it and maybe kind of turn the tide towards the ACC. And, Buck, that rising tides raises all ships, I think, is my butcher version of the saying, but... Buck also <laughs> what did it, I say you said something like that I think yeah. it was pretty similar but Buck also you, you've got kids I wonder if the mentality is if I can't play for the best I can go to the ACC go to Carolina go to wherever and play against the best now that Clemson and has won their national championship do you think that plays any part in these kids minds I think there are probably a million and one factors that goes into a recruit's decision. Do I think that there's any particular recruit that looks at, you know, the results from uh, 2016 and says, oh, I, the ACC now is clearly the place to be. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not 
there. And they use that as the basis of, you know, choosing a ACC school. You know, the, so much goes into it. Uh, there's And in football crew recruiting, proximity it seems to be a big deal f- for recruits. So that They're not anxious to leave, uh, you know, a two or 300-mile uh, footprint you know, from their home. They want their families uh, and friends to be able to watch and play football, play in time. You know, how many people are ahead of me uh, on the roster? Um, am I going to have to sit for two or three years, or do I have a chance to play right away? The vibe they get with, uh, you know, the, re- the recruiting staff, you know, how they're, you know, people, there are assistant coaches that, are just consistently good recruiters and they can connect with kids in a way that, um, you know, is uh, above average. You know, I, I would put uh, Gunnar Brewer in that category. Every time you see an interview that Don does with some kid and Gunnar Brewer is involved, the kid is going to have something to say positive about Gunnar Brewer. So, you know, I think there are just so many factors that goes into a, a kid's decision. Obviously, they want to play, if they can, at a Power 5 school. You know, they want to play for a team that has a chance, you know, to compete for championships. And, uh, you know, they those things are important. How much it drives each recruit's decision is a, is a separate matter. And, and before I leave this topic, uh, I wanted to ask Don about Dax Hollifield. Okay. Uh, b- because at, at one point, I don't think you were all that confident that North Carolina had a great shot at Dax Hollifield. But based on what I've read recently, it, it appears that North Carolina might be more of a player for Hollifield. And... You know, Hollifield strikes me as the kind of guy that might, you know, take a look at, well, where can I win big? Or, you know, he, he may look at it and in terms of, hey, I can team up at linebacker with Peyton Wilson and we'd be the best linebacking core in the United States. So there's, there's a variety of factors there, but are you sensing a little bit of North Carolina's making a little bit more inroads with Hollifield, or is that just my imagination? No, no, no. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you on, on everything that you just said. Um, the only thing I'll add is that I've always felt North Carolina was definitely in the fight. I just, you know, let's say a month ago, give or take, I felt like the team to beat at that time was Virginia Tech. Now, though, if you were to ask me that question, and obviously you are, I feel like North Carolina is the team to beat, but he's such a fickle kid, and he even admits to this when I met with him. You know, one of the best things I did was I I sat by his school, and we talked for probably about 30 minutes on the record and another 30 minutes off the record, Um, talked to his dad um, for a while. His dad's a coach and a, uh, I think, a a gym teacher there, talked to his his head coach there. And they all kind of say the same thing. It depends on the day. You know, today, North Carolina could be his leader. Tomorrow, Florida can be his leader. The next day, Florida State. The following day, um, uh, Virginia Tech. And it's just, 
it depends on who he talks to. And But some of the things that North Carolina has done has definitely put Port North Carolina definitely kind of within striking distance. And it's just going to be a matter of, I guess, a battle of attrition, to be honest. I mean, what, school, what schools kind of fill up? And I think North Carolina is going to always hold a spot open for Dax, whereas some of these other schools might eventually fill up at his position. You know, Virginia Tech's probably another one that will hold a spot open until you know, he's ready to decide. But if North Carolina continues to do what they're doing, you mentioned Gunnar Brewer. He's leading this recruitment, and he's doing an unbelievable job recruiting him. But also, Mike Eckler, he did an unbelievable job the first day that he came out and visited uh, visited schools. He visited Shelby. You know, I, I invite people to read the story. It's actually pretty impressive. He stayed he, like all day. Yeah, he stayed like all day. Um, it's a little bit, yeah. There's a little bit more details in that, but it, but yeah, it's, right. it's 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 pretty impressive he to consider. Out there and change yeah. clothes and all that. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to give away the whole the whole story, okay. but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I, I guess I have the the freedom to do that. You have the power to declassify things. You can unclassify <laughs> whatever you want. Wait We're not gonna, wait and just remember that the, the tape is running. Uh, okay. I'm going to go in a different direction now. <laughs> now, now uh, Don just needs to write a memo about it when, in, when we get done talking. Uh, we yeah. we will release this one as soon as possible, and when it's released, everybody will not know the edits that were done to get this show on board. <laughs> Don, last question for uh, for you and for the show before we. Uh, go straight down the rabbit hole is is Carolina and again I know it's early it's not that far away from it but do you think Carolina is using uh, that draft the 2017 NFL draft uh, effectively on the recruiting trail this cycle yeah I think so I mean most of the quarterbacks I mean the quarterback is obviously the biggest thing because because uh, you know Mitch went second overall and all of the quarterbacks I've talked to have brought that up, and I don't know if it's necessarily North Carolina driving it home or just those those quarterbacks actually watching NFL Network or ESPN and hearing about Trubisky because, you know, forgetting about the fact that he went second overall, which is obviously a huge, huge benefit for North Carolina, but the weeks ahead of time, it was just such positive publicity for UNC. Anytime that you turned on ESPN or NFL Network with Trubisky being on this show and that show, and obviously they, they are saying he's from North Carolina and talking about all that sort of stuff, it, it obviously helped North Carolina. So they're definitely using it. So far, it hasn't paid dividends so far. I would have, I would have thought that one of, the, one of their top quarterback targets would have kind of bit on that a little bit. But, I mean, they're, they're certainly using it. Good stuff, Don. Good stuff, Buck. I, you guys together just kind of warms my heart a little bit, and I'm going to get this podcast up so our listeners can uh, get some of that in this time of need. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Buck. Enjoyed it, Don. Yeah, enjoyed it, Don, as always. Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.